wrap up our conversations. You can find your seats. It's good to see everybody. Thanks for loving each other well. We're going to continue our series on spiritual gifts called Everyone Has a Part to Play. And keeping in step with our theme, I thought it would be helpful to hear from some folks that are practically trying to walk this out. So I'm going to welcome to the stage Matt and Cassie Williams. Let's give it up for them. All right. So I've asked them to share just a little bit about prayer. Um, they've specifically been setting aside some time um, to pray together, to listen. So I'm going to talk to I want one of you to share just I mean, kind of what that looks like practically and the other just like some of the things God's been teaching you in that process. So who wants a mic first? All right. Um, yeah, just uh, I think over the past year or so, um, I've been diving more into what prayer looks like as a whole. Um, and uh, one, I think, uh, I think this is helpful for all of us. Um, yeah, sure. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think one thing I've been seeing is that uh, b- because God wants to be with us, uh, prayer is more than just uh, that, that one hour or 30 minutes in the morning that you try to fit everything into. Um, it has very many... Is, it has many different faces um, and ways to live it out, uh, whether that's like on the fly type of prayers, like in the middle of work, or it's silence and solitude, or praying for people, or um, praying for yourself. Um, yeah, there's just plenty, plenty to do, plenty available for us. Um, and for myself, that's looked like, yeah, the like walking from uh, dealership to my car to start working for the day, or um, actually sitting in the morning and, and just trying to be quiet and relinquish control that I want to have when I wake up in the morning. So, Yeah. So, yeah, just maybe share a little bit about some of the things God's teaching you. Was that, you know, how's that working for you guys? Yeah, so, well, a practical experience in a way that that has, like, recently actually fleshed itself out for us, um, as Matt has, kind of just been learning a little bit more about, like, contemplative prayer specifically, we actually took an evening where we just didn't have dinner and we just went into our guest room and we just prayed together and um, put no time limit on that, which was really helpful. You don't realize how much a time limit kind of gets you like, you know, a little bit into your own, in your head a little bit. But um, so, and we just sat and listened and what God I think did in that moment was, I'm, I'm always pretty self-aware of like, is this appropriate to pray for? Is this God's will or is this an okay thing to ask for? Which I absolutely think he says, come to me with it all. Um, but what we ended up noticing was that he actually kind of started the prayer. And so he would put something in our mind that we would say, okay, Lord, what is this? What is this from Excellent. you? And we would sit in silence right. with that and let him just um, guide that prayer. And the Holy Spirit does that. And then there's no question about, is it okay to pray for? Because Excellent. he has put yeah. it in your heart. And so that was a beautiful time because people's faces were coming to mind. Um, uh, like just pictures, really clear pictures from him and, you know, a word of encouragement for our friends or for each other or for the situation we were in at that time was coming to mind and that was clearly from the Holy Spirit. So it was just really, really peaceful to sit and know that that was from him and to have that time together. To be able to do that together was a really special thing too. So, Yeah, that's awesome. Can we thank them for coming up? Yeah, excellent. Here, you want to hang that? Yeah. So a few things, I mean, I, I, that, I mean, that is an excellent example of some of the things we're talking about. I mean, they, um, they're, they're doing this like during the workday. They're setting aside a little bit of specific time at night. 
um, they're listening to God, and then God's bringing other people to mind. And that's kind of the essence of what we're talking about here this morning. We're going to be, um, last week we began, like, what does it look like for the people of God to begin to hear the voice of God? And this week we're going to talk about how do we hear the voice of God and then begin to share that with other people. And hearing the voice of God is the inheritance of the people of God because God is our Father and we are His children. Um, He actually wants to speak to us. And we looked at 10 different ways that God wants to speak to us. One of the first and primary ways is through His Word, but He speaks to us through creation. He brings things to mind. So we're going to dig into that a little bit more this morning. And um, one of the reasons that it's so important to listen to God's voice is because God's voice reveals his heart, right? God's voice reveals his heart. And he actually wants to speak to each of us in a way that builds up and encourages other people. And if there's ever been a season in the history of the church, at least in my lifetime, where the church and other people need to be built up, it's now. So I think a gift that God's eager to pour out on all of his people um, is this gift of listening to him and encouraging one another. The big idea that we're going to unpack this morning as we look at just three verses Um, from 1 Corinthians 14 is we listen for God's voice because his voice reveals his heart both for us and for others. We listen for God's voice because his voice reveals his heart for both us and others. And we're going to do that as we unpack 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we're going to read verses 1 through 3. should be on the screen, um, but if you're able, would you stand and we just stand. This is a way just to differentiate our words and God's words. His words are authoritative. They are inerrant. Uh, unfortunately, mine are not. So let's give him the attention that he deserves. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 3 says this, Pursue love. And earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, you may be seated. Would you pray with me? Father, so much now we want to be transformed by your word. We have been so welcomed by your presence as we have fixed our attention on you and worship. And we want to get caught deeper up into your story and into your um, presence and your power that you want to live out through us. To do that, uh, we actually need to be able to hear your voice um, in all circumstances We know that you are more eager to speak oftentimes than we are to listen, but I do pray that you would give us collectively as your people ears to hear your word. Um, It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So before we focus in on the gift of prophecy and what that looks like for us as the people of God, um, whether we're talking about prophecy or whether we're talking about listening to God or gifts of healing or miracles or any of those things, they begin with a, a couple of fundamental convictions. Like we have to have this to be able to walk in the good works that God actually has for us. And the first is that spiritual gifts are not an optional extra, 
right? They're not just something that are tacked on to the Christian life. Um, and when we're talking about prophecy, I mean, we're not talking about a Jedi mind trick, you know, that's for the, you know, the elite few spiritual people. But this is a gift that's for all of God's people. It's, it's our inheritance as his people to be able to hear his voice and to share it in ways that build up and encourage other people. And um, it's been my experience uh, over my lifetime trying to walk and help people understand this gift of prophecy that it's probably a lot less mystical than people think, but it's also a lot more powerful. Like, I think God's speaking all the time, but um, oftentimes we don't understand the ways that He is speaking to us. So, spiritual gifts and the gifts of prophecy in particular are essential for us as individuals. They're essential for our life in God. It's important for us if we're going to um, live out the Christian life to be able to hear His voice for our own lives. Um, all of us do this hundreds of times each day if we're going to go this way or go this way. And there's major life decisions where we typically ask people for prayer when we have to make decisions, but we all make decisions um, on what we think God is saying. So it's essential for our life in God, but it's also essential for our life in community. Um, if we are going to truly build up one another, it, it, it includes hearing from God and being able to share that with other people. And for us to be God's missionary people and to demonstrate his power to the world, it's important that we use spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 says that every person, every believer in Jesus has a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So the, the win for us that we've said over and over during this series is not that a few people kind of come alive to their own individual gifts, but that every single person that calls Fellowship Jonesboro home is able to identify where God has gifted them spiritually and to be able to walk in those ways in such a way that builds up our church body and furthers our mission to the city. So we need to hear his voice leading us and guiding us. And the truth is, you have to believe this, that we today need the gifts of the Spirit every bit, bit as much as the early church did, right? Um, I mean, there were 120 in the upper room, and they evangelized in 30 years the known world. For us to be able to take the gospel to all tribes, every tongue, every language, every nation, we need those same gifts to be at work. Because truly the call of the New Testament church is not just to be a gathering where people kind of show up on Sunday and listen to somebody like me give a presentation, but it's for us to be people of the Spirit. And that means for us to truly be a prophetic people. That means um, that because of who Jesus is, we're meant to be the culture carriers of heaven. We carry in our very being via the Holy Spirit the DNA of the age to come. We're praying constantly in the Lord's Prayer, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. The way that the world knows and understands what that kingdom looks like is by looking at God's people. And so it's important for us to be able to represent him in ways that he has gifted us to do that. So we carry the culture of heaven forward and we do that by celebrating who Jesus is. I mean, we read about this in Revelation 1 already from the front this morning that he is the beautiful one, that he is the glorious one. I mean, he has eyes like fire and he wants our gaze and he wants our attention. So we proclaim to the world who he is. But my wife and I, we were talking about this this week and there's this real sense of urgency to proclaim what he's done. Um, forgiveness is not preliminary. Jesus 
has actually entered into the story. He canceled the record of wrongs that stood against each of us. There's a sense where we all stand guilty before a holy God because of our sins. And Jesus stepped into the story, took our sins upon the cross so that we would be reconciled to him. So we proclaim who he is, we proclaim what he does, but what's also just as important is that we demonstrate who he is and that his kingdom is at work here and now through his people, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we both proclaim the gospel and we demonstrate the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the good news is that because of Jesus' victory on the cross, that's, that's what the ascension is about, Jesus' victory. He pours out the Spirit on his people, and he's not holding back whatsoever. He's more eager to give us the gifts, honestly, most of the time than we are to receive the gifts. It's also important to remember that um, the spiritual gifts are dynamic, and by that I mean living and active, and not static, so this means like God's going to give you the gifts that you need in the moment that you need them. Oftentimes we treat spiritual gifts like we're all kids around a Christmas tree and some people get Xboxes, you know, and that's really awesome. And then other people got the gift from grandma and they got some socks and some underwear and you feel like you missed out, right? Um, but the truth is everyone has spiritual gifts, but... Um, the only way that you're ever going to know if you have gifts of healing is to pray for people that need to be healed, right? The only way that you're ever going to be able to know if you have prophetic gifting is to spend time listening to God, and then there's going to be that magical moment when you have to open up your mouth and share that with other people. God wants to pour out gifts, but it means stepping out of our comfort zone, and he will give us the gifts that we need um, in the moment that we need it. Now, I don't want to say there's not a cluster of gifts that we are probably most naturally um, wired to fulfill, or there's, there's a way that um, the gifts that we have, that you're probably going to operate in consistently, but don't think because you haven't used a gift up until this point that you don't have the gift or you don't have access to the gift. God wants to pour out especially the gift of prophecy on all of his people. So let's begin to unpack what is this gift of prophecy and how can we grow in it. So I want to take just a a step back and begin with encouragement. Encouragement is the seed form of prophecy, right? So encouragement is paying attention to where God is at work, noticing how he's working among other people. It could be bringing attention. I'm going to give you a definition for prophecy. It's drawing another person's attention to God's activity in their life. Prophecy, I mean, encouragement is drawing another person's attention to God's activity in their life. It could be about their character. It could be how they respond to certain situations. It can be ways that they've stepped forward in faith and their actions. Um, but it's drawing attention to God's activity in their life. And the effect of encouragement, I mean, you literally get this from the word, is that it gives you courage. But listen... This is not a pep talk, right? This is not a, a high school or a junior high or even a college football coach before a game giving a, a pep talk to his people. No, it's saying, I see the marks of God on your life. 
right? This is where God has gifted you. I've received God's care through you. I've experienced his mercy through you. I sensed his power when you did this thing or that thing, right? The gift of encouragement is a catalytic gift that actually helps all of the other gifts find their place. And one of the best New Testament examples of encouragement is obviously Barnabas, whose name literally means son of encouragement. Barnabas seems to have been this a little bit older, wiser, pastor, apostolic kind of figure who would go into churches to build them up and to strengthen them. He would point out where God was at work, even in these new communities that had a long way to go. But he would say, I see God at work here, and I see God at work here. There was some way that this gift of encouragement was at work in the New Testament where um, they would come by and they would plant the church and six months later they would come by and they would say, okay, it looks like this person's going to be an elder and this person's going to be a deacon and they could call out God's activity. The gift of encouragement is very important and I read this in a book this week. I mean, can you just imagine for Barnabas what it was like to encounter Saul who became Paul, right? I mean, everyone else in the New Testament was scared to death of this guy, right? I mean, he had put Christians to death. He had thrown them into jail. But Barnabas said, listen, there's something of the gift of God on this man's life, and I want to take him with me, and I'm going to take him on this apostolic journey, right? And aren't you glad that he did, right? Um, So much so that, I mean, it's countless churches were planted directly or indirectly through Paul, Right, 13 or 14, depending on how you count it, books of the Bible were written because the gift of encouragement was active in Barnabas' life. Right, So take that, apply it to our context. Just look around the room. Think about the friends and the relationships that you know. Think about if that gift of encouragement were released among us in widespread fashion. Think about the families that could be raised for the glory of God, right? Think about the churches that could be planted. Think about the impact on local high schools and colleges because individuals take their eyes off of their own paper and they begin to look at other people and say, this is where God is at work. Right? And we want to spend some time doing that. That's one of the primary reasons that we come together every Sunday is to encourage one another. Next, let's go ahead and begin to unpack what prophecy is. Now, for some people that may be a familiar word. For other people that may seem to be a kind of scary and a distant word. I hope that we can unpack it in such a way that it makes sense. Let's look at our passage one more time. 1 Corinthians 14, 1-3 says this. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gift. And if I could tell you to do anything, like... If you were going to get a tattoo, like write earnestly desire on your body, right? Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So this, is, this gives us, these three verses kind of gives us a window into God's heart for spiritual gifts and what's to be our approach to spiritual gifts, 
right? There's lots of people that kind of sit back and say, well, if God wants to use me, he knows where I'm at, you know? You can kind of have a hands-off approach and kind of have your arms crossed, you know? That's not the approach that we find in Scripture. It's either you're all in with this stuff or you're all out, right? And as a church, we're all in, right? We're, we're going to be a church that eagerly desires spiritual gifts, right? This isn't something that we're going to push to the circumference. We're going to eagerly desire. That means to be burning over or boiling over with zeal that God would manifest his spirit among his people, right? And listen, as I've been studying and I've been traveling around this summer, especially for Gen Z, right? These these are my children. They do not want a watered-down version of Christianity, right? They want to know that God speaks. They want to know that God heals. They want to know that God sets people free, right? Older generations, they wanted to control it, and they wanted to program it out. But listen, the generations that are coming want to know that Jesus is alive. So we're supposed to have a burning zeal for spiritual gifts, especially that we would prophesy, right? So what does that mean? Here are a few helpful definitions that I've come across. This is from one of my spiritual heroes, John Wimber, who's gone home to be with the Lord. He says this. He says, prophecy is the supernatural ability to speak the mind of God on a given subject at a given time by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Wayne Grudem, who is a theologian, a systematic theologian, says this. He defines prophecy as telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind, and he goes on to say, in the words of the actual speaker, so we'll get to that in just a second, Mike Bickle, I love this definition, prophecy is the testimony of Jesus' heart for his people, right? That's, That's kind of what we're leaning into. So prophecy is about God revealing himself in his heart to his people, now now get this, by using their words, Right? Prophecy is God speaking to you in a way that you understand, but you actually have to use your words to speak that out. And that's the difference between Old Testament prophecy, right, where people were saying, Thus saith the Lord, right? They were, these are the very words of God. New Testament prophecy seems to be a little bit different. We're not claiming divine authority. That's why we're, we say things like, Hey, I, I think God might want to encourage us, right? There's a, a humility attached with it. 1 Corinthians 14, 29 tells, um, it says, let two or three prophets speak, and this is like when, when people come together and let the others weigh what is said, right? So this is an idea that there's, there's a, a weighing of what's going on. In the Old Testament, I mean, it's just line for line. This is what God has said. In the New Testament, it's God speaking to you in a way that you can understand. But sometimes, right, we don't get it all right. And that's um, why the church is described as a family. It's a great place to learn. Uh, it's almost like, you know, a toddler learning to speak. They don't get it right every single time, right? I mean, they get their words mixed up. That's how God views us. We are his children. And if we're going to function together as a New Testament people, we relate together as a family. So this is a safe place to try things out. And honestly, we have our gospel communities. These are the training grounds for spiritual gifts. Like when we are praying together, these are times where we're listening to God and, and, and beginning to think what, God, what might God want to speak to his people. So prophecy is about communicating something that God has revealed to you in your own words to build up other people. And I love it. As we were 
we were gathered here this morning. We probably had 20 folks or so pre, pre-service prayer. There were people that were listening to God and, and bringing pictures to mind. And um, my next point was brought basically out of the prayer meeting. Um, Joey Ward had a, a word about Zacchaeus. And the effect of prophecy is being seen. And that's something that's directly here in my notes. And it's something that encouraged me. The effect of prophetic ministry is, is being known and seen by God. And maybe for me personally, we are going to have different experiences with prophecy. But I remember it was probably 2018. I was with a group of pastors and wives and we were all together praying, and uh, it seems I always arrive to these spaces needing prayer, and this was no different. And, and people wanted to kind of come around and encourage me. And I remember there was this l- one lady in particular. I mean, she had the most simplistic word for me, but she began to read Romans 10 over me, and it said, Blessed, is, um, the feet, blessed are the feet of those that bring good news. And she said, I... I just think God wants me to look you in the eye and wants to say thank you for proclaiming the gospel. And at that moment, something inside of me broke because um, there was a real doubt inside of me that anything good was happening in and through my life. But for her just to say that God sees you and he knows you and he says thank you, I mean, there's real ministry there. The effect of real prophetic ministry is, feeling, is being known by God and being seen by God. So prophecy at its core builds up. Um, and there should be a certain tone that's associated with prophecy because of the gospel. Um, oftentimes when we begin to talk about prophecy, people become afraid because... I don't know. I mean, I've, I've seen abuses of this gift before, and people are afraid that if someone is truly prophetic, that they know their deepest, darkest sins. Have you ever thought that or been afraid of that? That if they could see right through me? Um, but 1 Corinthians 14.3 tells us that prophecy speaks to people for their upbuilding, their encouragement, and their consolation. We often think of prophetic types as John the Baptist or Elijah and or like a guy in Times Square who's got like a bread sign that says repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's not New Testament prophecy at all. New Testament prophecy should sound like a bridegroom to his bride. New Testament prophecy should sound like a loving father to his children. New Testament prophecy should sound like a God bringing comfort to those who mourn. Healing and restoration to those who are broken in body and spirit. Forgiveness to those who know they've been caught red-handed and are guilty and have no hope apart from him. That's what New Testament prophecy sounds like. So it builds us up, it encourages, it comforts. So how, how do you know if God is speaking to you? What are some of the ways that we can understand when God speaks The first way we're going to unpack, and we looked at this a little bit last week, is that God speaks through a word or a phrase in Scripture, right? This is most often how God speaks to me. It's not some random, you know, thing that's happening out there in the middle of nowhere. It's when I have my Bible open, and I think that makes most of the Bible people feel more comfortable, hopefully. Um, It's as if, you know, I'll be reading a particular passage, and then 
one word or one phrase will almost be underlined to me by the Holy Spirit. It's almost like there's a highlighter. And I've learned over the years that this is how God begins to speak to me. Corey Russell, in his book, Ancient Past, Rediscovering Delight in God's Word, says this. And I think this is, this is super helpful. Have you ever noticed while reading the Bible that certain verses will sometimes stick out? It's almost as though something you have read before jumps off the page and takes on a new dimension. This happens all the time, but most of us brush past the sensation because we have to finish our reading for the day, or we only have a few minutes left before we move on to the next thing. We do not realize that this is actually the Holy Spirit communicating to us. He is saying, stop reading. I want to talk to you. Slow down. There's something for you to see here. Right? And so, if you are turning to God's Word consistently and you're longing for Him to speak, when He speaks... Put everything else aside. It does not matter if you finish your five chapters for the day. The living God is speaking to you. He's wanting to encourage you. That is your daily bread. And what I've discovered over time is God speaks through a word or a phrase. Um, You know, if you're going to lean into listening, like you're going to need to be uh, someone who journals or at least, you know, in an electronic form, you're leaving yourself voice memos of things that God's speaking to you so that you have a reservoir so you can share with other people. And so that's exactly what I do. I'll sit at my desk and I'll begin to read something and pray. And some of you may have gotten texts like this, you know, hey, I'm praying this for you. I'm praying this phrase for you. And a lot of that has to do with just spending time listening to God's word. And then that's just very practical. Hey, God wants to encourage you with this scripture. So I think we're all good there. But God also speaks through seeing. Uh, As God called Jeremiah... In Jeremiah chapter 1, he gave him a picture of an almond tree. He asked Jeremiah, he says, Jeremiah, what do you see? So God speaks through seeing. Um, God speaks through seeing. And this can be pictures that God puts in your mind. It can be memories. It can be things that you access. Probably the best way to kind of explain this is to illustrate it. I, I think... Uh, I asked Julie Shepard if I could share this picture. There was a time that she was asking for prayer on the front porch, and uh, I think several of us were gathered around. And I just had this picture of a little girl, and I think she had a teddy bear. And I said, I think God wants to, you know, just restore to you kind of a sense of innocence back to when you were a little girl. And I kind of described the picture that was in my mind. And it was just a few weeks, or I don't even think it was a week later, she found this picture from when she was a little girl. And it was the picture that I had described to her. And that helped her to make a connection between the picture that was in my mind and the picture that God was speaking about restoring innocence and restoring joy. So, God speaks to us all the time, and so sometimes we just think, well, that's a, you know, that's just a random thought, or maybe that's something I ate, like on Christmas Carol, but I mean, the reality is, when you're asking God to speak and things pop in your mind, let's believe that God's actually speaking. So God speaks through seeing pictures, but he also speaks through hearing. I'm going to read um, a, a section of a book called Multiplying Disciples by a guy named Phil Wilfew. Um, he has been so helpful to me. I've read a couple of his 
books, and I've leaned very heavily on trying to understand. Um, he works with some churches that we are associated with. And this is an example of God speaking through hearing. Now, we're, we're thinking about an inaudible voice here. This is an example at an Alpha course. He says, A friend of mine was helping to pray for guests on an Alpha course at our church, and his attention was especially drawn to one man sitting on the front row. Maybe this is why people don't sit on the front, by the way. <laughs> As he began to ask God what he should pray for, he clearly felt God imprint the phrase, All right, mate. And that's my best British accent, so. <laughs> Feeling somewhat sheepish about sharing such a strange word that neither seemed powerful nor profound, he nevertheless obeyed the prompting. Calling the man out, he said, I don't know if this makes any sense to you, but I feel God would simply say to you, all right, mate. At this point, the man's face lit up into a beaming smile, and soon afterwards, he gave his life to Christ. It transpired that the previous week that he had gone home after the Alpha Talk on prayer, for the very first time, he tried to pray on his own. Not having a religious background, he was somewhat unsure how he should address the Almighty, or even at this stage, whether the Almighty even existed. So he simply decided to talk to God like his friend, and he started with, All right, God. Unsure whether this was really the done thing, he then asked God to give him a sign that his prayer had been heard. When my fr friend shared his simple prophetic word, All right, mate, it was the immediate clear answer to a stunning encounter with Jesus. Right? It's just that simple. Less mystical than it might seem, more powerful than we could ever imagine. Right? If we position ourselves to listen, God speaks. God also speaks through feelings. Some of you are feelers. I'm a feeler. But some people can walk in a room and they can begin to feel the entire room, right? You can feel burdens. You can feel um, whether there's disappointment in the room or there's joy in the room or there's fear that's taken hold. That's God actually speaking. People that tend to have gifts of healing, they often talk about having feelings or sensations in their body where their hands get hot or there's just a way that God speaks. Um, yeah, uh, I've even talked to my wife. When she says like when God speaks to her, I mean, she, she knows there's a, a feeling and a sensation that she has inside of her body. So we just want to pay attention to those. So how do we weigh, because we, we want to weigh, exactly what's being said. How do we know if what we're saying is from the Lord? So the first thing to do is this m method, and I, I got this from the same book, um, Multiplying Disciples. The first thing is to make an observation. What did you see? What did you hear? Or what did you observe? This is very important. Then, what do you think it means? Right? And this is the kind of the interpretation part. And then the application part is, what should you do with what you think you've heard? And this is where, it just depends on what kind of circles you've ever been in, but um, prophetic people can get weird at certain points because they're not tethered to a community, right? And they just start prophesying on the internet about the end of the world, or they'll show up randomly to a, you know, to a church service like this, and they'll start saying just like some weird nonsense. So... It's important to test and weigh what's being said. This is how you can test what's being said. There are three ways 
which you can test or weigh something that we believe that God has said. First, we check to see that it's consistent with the teaching of the Bible. Listen to this. God will never contradict what he has already said and caused to be written down in Scripture. Second, we check to see that it's encouraging, strengthening, or comforting. New Testament prophecy builds up, cheers up, and lifts up. It never brings condemnation, even if God is calling us to change our attitudes and habits. It draws people to Jesus and calls out the best in them. Third, we talk to other Christians, preferably those who have had experience of hearing God themselves. God has put us in community so that we can draw wisdom and strength from one another. Ask others what they think of what you feel you have heard from God. Applying these stages and testing that the prophecy is in line with God's word is crucial to growing in hearing his voice. That's our guardrail, is that all of us have the Holy Spirit and the Spirit bears witness to itself. The truth is, we simply cannot be the the church that God has designed us to be without hearing his voice. We desperately need him to speak to us prophetically. This is the most evangelistic way to have church, right? Instead of a water slide for Jesus, it would be much more powerful for him to actually show up and speak in such a way that transforms lives. 1 Corinthians 14 24 and 25, when it's talking about how to exercise the gift of prophecy, says this. He says, but if all prophesy, an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he is convicted by all and he's called to account by all and the secrets of his heart are disclosed. So falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God really is at work among you. Right? So this is, this is God's evangelistic campaign, is the spirit at work among his people. But prophecy also builds endurance. 1 Timothy 1.18 says this, This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. So Paul's telling Timothy, who's quite fearful and quite timid, the way that he's meant to wage warfare is to call to mind all of the prophecies that have been previously made about him. That there were some promises that God had been speaking into his life, and he was meant to hold on to them. And so um, I'm going to go ahead and invite up Nathan and Savannah Sims. They're going to come and, and share how a word of prophecy actually sustained them during a season of trial. Let me grab this microphone for you guys. Can we welcome them? All right. Come on up. All right. Well, I'll do my best not to cry through this part. But um, many of you know last year, the beginning of last year, um, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And that was following um, just hardship for our family where my brother and I even back um, lost my dad to cancer nine years ago. And we lost an uncle to cancer. So when my mom got that diagnosis, it was um, felt unbearable, honestly. Um, And so probably out of a little bit of desperation and determination, um, we decided to gather together as a family to pray. And we invited the Rogers over to... Um, to just pray, and during that prayer, there's lots of prayers said, and but the one thing that I remember that was just so clear, and um, God spoke through Nathan, 
that he was going to redeem cancer for her family. And that word redeem um, just gave me hope through the whole season, through the whole season of uh, mom starting her chemo, her losing her hair, me shaving her head, um, her going through surgery, and just the recovery throughout. Um, and this week, we got to celebrate my mom. She had her last chemo treatment and is considered cancer-free. Amen. Um, and she, yeah, um, yeah, she got to ring her bell um, in victory, and we got to celebrate her yesterday with more family. Um, so it was just God, it was just sweet that God used my husband to speak that word of truth over our family, and it really did sustain my heart. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, it was to see their family who, I mean, the word, the word cancer was, I mean, it was a, it was a dark word for their family. Um, losing multiple very close members, a father, an uncle, um, I just, yeah, kind of uh, the passage or the the quotes that were, that Chad had give uh, given just a minute ago kind of reaffirmed that. Like, yeah, we were we were praying for a hopeful outcome. Um, we were praying for, um, yeah, healing. But to to, and I'm I'm very bad about this, and I prayed about this this morning before service. But to have that confidence to speak up when you hear something that is obviously a word of encouragement is a word from God. Yeah, just, I had that sense that the word redeem was, um, you know, obviously it's horrible to find out you have a, a parent or a family member who has been uh, diagnosed with cancer, but I truly felt that this was God giving, he gave me this word, it was his, his opportunity to say, this is the time that this is not something to be fearful of. This is not something for your family to, continue to dread, continue to um, just um, be fearful for it. And so, yeah, God just told, I just felt like God was telling me, this is my opportunity that I'm going to redeem this word for your family. I am going to um, show that I have complete power over this entire situation. And um, yeah, just hearing that, you know, that was an opportunity for everybody in the room to be praying. But yeah, it gave, um, I just realized that that was a time that I did not need to be quiet. I did not need to be continue yeah, to be silent. Yeah. Um, God was calling me to just say that in front uh, for the whole group. And like Chad was saying, it's to encourage others. Um, you know, I don't, I, I wasn't sitting there reading scripture when I said it. It was simply just hearing that God, this is the word that God had given me. And to encourage the family to show, like, so they could realize that, yes, God had complete control over that situation. And here we are. A year and a half later, excellent. It, it was true. Like God yeah. truly redeemed that yeah. family. So yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it's worth celebrating. Thank you, guys. So, I want you to make the connection between God speaking and God imparting hope, and um, it, it's just that simple. Like God speaking to Nathan, I'm going to redeem cancer. And for 18 months, they hold on to that word. And even oftentimes, God speaks up here and he touches people's hearts. But to wage warfare means you've got to hide those words in your heart. Like, I really do believe that God has spoken this to me and I'm going to lay hold of it. And um, I have a similar story. When I was seven or eight years old, there was, a, there was a lady who was given to prayer and she had a word for my mom that I was going to be teaching in front of a crowd one day. And listen, I was... 
um, the most rebellious, difficult teenager there was on the planet. But if you interviewed her to this day, that one word that someone spoke to her um, that, that God was going to redeem my story ended up um, helping her to wage warfare during the most difficult seasons of their life. And so I'm going to go ahead and invite the band up. And so we're going to take a time. Um, we're all going to be listening. I know there are people that want to grow in hearing God's voice. And so if, if, if you would like to receive prayer for that, I, um, I have faith to pray for people to receive more in that area. Uh, also, if you're from the prayer team and you want to pray for people, you can kind of just come on the outside there. But also, um, there are people in here that need those kinds of words from God. And uh, I'm going to kind of put uh, Nathan Savannah on the spot. If you feel like you need a word from God, I want you to go to them because I think God wants to impart what he's spoken to them in the gift of hope and maybe give you hope in the midst of that. And so uh, go ahead and stand up. We're going to be singing a new song. So don't feel like you're bound to your seat. If you want to respond by standing up and singing, great. If you want to respond by sitting in your seat and listening, great. If you want to receive prayer so that you can hear more of God's voice, come up front. If If you feel like you need a word, I would make a beeline to Savannah and let her pray for you. But let's fix our attention on the God who speaks.